Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Austin Williams. Today we have Jonathan Hanau, a pianist, composer, and dear friend of mine. Um, John just wrote this wonderful album, uh, Pieces I Wrote on a Cold Winter Night. Um, I'm going to read the program notes. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. I'm actually pretty <laughs> proud of them. If it's the... Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> Do you, would you like to read them? No, no, no. Yeah, okay, you. all right. <laughs> Pieces I wrote on a cold winter night is a deeply personal reflection on a composer and a pianist, Jonathan Hanau's evolving relationship with music. He dives into a world of complex textures, winding melodies, and repetitive ostinatos that ebb and flow to reflect the untamed seasons of the winter. Each title evokes specific images ranging from breathtaking stillness, stark beauty, and at times, tumultuous realities. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on your album release. Um, Thank you. It was a so, wonderful concert. It really was. It was a blast. Yeah. I am so happy with how many people showed up. I was... I think I, it was sorry. I know. I I was just gonna say I'm, I was not surprised, but it was it, no. It was a full house. It was great. I just had like panic attacks the whole time. Of, like, how many people can I? Because I wanted to impress the venue too, and I was sure. like, I gotta do this right. And this was so. This is like your first album, I guess. Like, this is would you call this your debut album? Yeah, I would say so. I actually did put out a small. E- I put out like little albums from my the rocking chair series oh, of the like, right, years right. past but those sure. were like little side projects that i, I mean like it got it kind of like jump-started a lot of my own performing career yeah and then i put an ep out during covid and then of like some songs i wrote for friends that you heard on the the, the, right. the first half of the show and right. then i um and then i put out another album that I self-produced during COVID that I just kind of like, I was like, I need content of my new stuff sure. on, on Spotify and, and my website and stuff. So I put out another thing called, uh, the cafe at the end of the world. Oh yes. And it's just like <laughs> super hella ambient chill jams. I took, uh, improvs from my meditation series okay. and then just like electronically manipulated the crap out of those bits and then turned it into a, album yeah it's i mean that's great i mean and i talk about i know so many people myself included who are just trying to get content out there during um you know shut down time and and still you know i we're still dealing with the the recourse of that but um you know um do you want to talk about the uh experience of writing this and you can be as brief or as you know in depth as you want (laughs) um i know personally you you wrote a majority of it at banff Mm mm-hmm and I don't know if you want to talk about that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love Banff. Um, so I started writing the album back in 2018, haphazardly. I gave the story at, at Space, actually. But uh, my wife, Suzanne, dropped me off. We, we had a minimalist show, actually, coming up. We're like, let's play a show together. That'll be so cute. And we sure. had a piece by a another composer friend of mine, Eric Malmquist, who's a, mm. another great composer in the city. Yeah. Check him out. Yeah. But... Um, he wrote us a piece for our wedding and uh, as like a gift. And we're like, oh, this is beautiful. Let's play it on this show. So we were like, let's play Ludovico and Audi, Philip Glass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very, very like yeah, quintessential. Uh, like late 20th century. Yeah, what's, uh, uh, there, there's a, it's like slightly like, you know, a little over the top because it's like the, the big ones. But sure. uh, we're like doing this little minimalist concert. Sure. And I... 
was gonna, I was like, you know, I'll write a piece too because I've been improvising for a while. I started my meditation series and I hadn't written any minimalist stuff yet. Sure. Because uh, I was, I guess, afraid to do it or something. I had other yeah. things going on. Yeah. But uh, Suzanne was like, you're going to write a piece for this. And she's like, well, you have to write a piece for this and the show's coming up. Uh, I'm going to drop you off at a coffee shop and you can't come home until you wrote the piece. <laughs> So then she stranded me at a coffee shop somewhere. That's a good partner. Yeah. Yeah. Truly loving. Lovely <laughs> <laughs> honey. And um, she, I, I, I sat down and I actually wrote that piece out, the first track of the album, Return. I wrote it at Printer's Row in Lincoln Park. Okay. I know where I was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I just like sat down for like four hours and just kind of like churned it out. I was like, oh, you know what? This is kind of fun. I liked it. So and then, a lot of that process was um, away from the piano, from what it sounds yeah, like. The, fir- the first piece, for sure. Interesting. So, um, I was very used to not writing at the piano yeah, at that time because yeah. I uh, all of my more modernist and abstract works that right. I would tend to write or like was writing at that time. I would simply come up with like maybe a small motivic right. idea or whatever, but I would step away. And like the, as I got more, and this is still a thing I'm interested in is like absurdist and like more like comedic theater art in right, music. Like right. I really like that. I, uh, really don't need a piano to tell someone to like pass a $5 <laughs> bill through a harp. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's more of just like, I could just let my, my brain go. The, so it's, it, it is an interesting, um, transition i guess for lack of better words that you've um you've established your first album that you've come out with uh as a minimalist album but i know you've championed and wrote a lot of very like complex music and and i've seen some of the like the the um uh, the stage comedy and stuff like that. So and it's all great. And, but the, the Very um, eclectic, yeah, the synthesis of all of them, like, how, how do you see that? Like, what do you, you know, if, if you do, you know, I think I, I mean, I take parts of everything and then I'll get back to the, the last part of that album yeah. writing too. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I think they're like everything that I take and learn and experience in life and in music, like there is a form of it. Sure. In my music, regardless of the style. And I think there are, like, weird little thumbprints that, like, people have kind of latched onto or noticed that I have tendencies towards. So. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Particularly, I guess, Major 7 Intervals is a big one that most people tend to notice. Yeah. yeah. Um, regardless of the style. But, like, I, I think this, like. I, I love comedy and music and I like exploring that and I like really try to like how can I make like new music people like actually laugh is funny to me because yeah, it's yeah. very serious 99% of the time right, right and I like I got into new music and experimental music and like doing also like noise improv with like Kelly Sheehan and doing that toy mm-hmm. piano stuff like mm-hmm. there's comedy just in the fucking toy piano right like right it's toy pianos like how is that not dumb yeah yeah <laughs> so, like it's hard for me to like bring seriousness or like gra gravitude is that the word like they're like gravity yeah. to situations where i'm just like i there is lightness in all of this and of i think that a lot of lightness and humor gets lost in the our academic world of of writing music. Of course. And right. so anyway, I was like writing a lot of those more absurdist things. Cause I was like, well, it has to be funny. It has to be light because mm-hmm. like 
why not? Like, yeah. why not try right. and like get? Can I actually get people to laugh? Because it's normally like these things land elsewhere. I wrote cabaret songs for a bit too, which were super fun. Yes, yeah, those are great. Like, Lament for public <laughs> transit, which I, I'm a horrible lyricist, but I wrote the lyrics myself. <laughs> and mostly, I think it's just like the. I think the the genuine swearing and like frustrations of missing the train is what kind of hit. Where yeah. I was like, okay, I, I'm horrible at writing, but at least people understand. Right. Same thing with like, um, what was the other thing that I did? Oh yeah, the the cold, the Chicago winter, where he's just all about stepping in f- foot deep slush right, on right. a sidewalk and you're <laughs> miffed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Um... I, I I'm I mean I'm here to say like I mean maybe not so much the absurdist stuff but um, I think we can talk about this more in detail yeah. on specific later on um, specific movements of your <laughs> or, or tracks of your I album think later. There are but. some weird senses. There are weird humorous moments in the album. For sure. Not necessarily like obvious, but like I guess like to me they're kind of slightly funny. Sure. But like you'd have to, I guess like we're going to talk about it so you'll find out what those are. Yeah. But but yeah, I I th- the, I think there's a there's something what's the big thing? Like my friend Craig Davis Pinson and I like we've talked about this too in like enormous lengths about like honesty in music and being truly authentic with what you're writing Mm -hmm. and this album for me was one of the most authentic things that i've written in a very long time i feel like i've hit a point where i'm very happy with everything i write including my modernist stuff i really love that stuff but uh doing this has been the easiest and the most like fun i've had in a while in terms of just like i can sit down and i can churn out a piece and i'm gonna like that piece and i know people are gonna like that piece but i know it's like authentically coming from myself sure and so the ability like having the ability to just like take like a tiny motive it could be three notes Mm -hmm. and then like crank out like a seven minute piece and not a lot of time yeah but be like genuinely like honest with it and it's very intuitively written because it comes from so much years of improvising yeah yeah (laughs) for hours straight like that i can just sit down and just write it out and it's not like racking my brain on how i'm doing it but rather just kind of letting it guide itself and like and i use compositional tools that i've learned over the years from like stacy garab christopher jones and my other comp teachers and stuff like that yeah yeah let's talk about your your experiences at banff Mm. you know what what that was like um the process of writing the album yeah um so funny enough the first piece that i was telling you about i uh was in residence with my friend laura atkins when we were doing our little do-over project which is uh now evolved into try again with like right. riley leach involved yeah it's great anyway so that's even that's more weird stuff i was at banff doing like improvisation experimental art but i wrote this i finished engraving the piece while i was at banff and mm-hmm. then i practiced it up on my off days and then i had a performance ready and i was like you know what i'm gonna play it for one of the concerts at banff the whole thing no just the first piece oh, okay, it okay, was just okay. the first piece okay. but I, I played the piece and at one of the venues and it received like a lot of positive feedback like like more than than i had received in a long time in a way okay and 
people were like, we would love for you. Like, is there more of this coming out? And I was okay. like, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I played that piece and it, I had a recording. I was happy with it. And I was like, great. And then I played it at the Minimalist show and it was all fine and dandy. So then the, the, the year goes by. And the Banff applications come up again. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply to Banff. I was there last year. Maybe they'll remember me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to uh, propose writing this whole album based off of the meditation series. But, like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to propose, like, composing an album at Banff in residence. Right. And fortunately, they, they loved it. Yeah. They accepted the proposal. And they were like, hey, can you come in November? And I'm like, sick. Great. Yeah, see you there. But uh, <laughs> while I was there, I mean, like, I would wake up. I would... Uh, sit down at my desk, uh, improvise at the piano for a little bit, write down a motive that I liked, and then I would just kind of churn out the piece that day. And so, like, yeah. I wrote the whole album, so it's ten tracks in total. The first piece was already written, of yeah. course, uh, but I wrote, tra- I wrote, I started Snowfall, the second track, a little bit back in Chicago, but I didn't finish it until I went into residency. Did you write the whole album beginning to back? Yeah, there is actually, I didn't change the the order of it, weirdly okay. enough, yeah. and I don't know how it worked out so well that I think the order is pretty good. Yeah. Like, it, it fulfills, like, a it's, a it's kind of an A side and a B side, and yeah. it, that was all, that would have been purely intuition and just kind of my gut guiding the whole thing. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, looked at the tracks, and I didn't have titles to them or anything. I would just write the music and mm-hmm. be like, well, that's done, <laughs> and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, the, the three tracks that I found particularly compelling which john actually informed me previous to this uh to this recording that uh this lines up with a bunch of other listeners uh, opinions That's as right. well but um mountain interlude and chapel were three tracks on this album that that really um they they stood out to me uh or, or they were like um um cornerstones within the the listening experience mm-hmm. um because, like, with most minimalist music, you, you do kind of go in and out of this meditative state, yeah. right? So Absolutely. I You're kind of meant to get lost. Right. And But I found that these tracks kind of woke me up a little bit and made me, uh, kind of brought me back into a contemplative space rather yeah. than more of a, um, I'm trying to think of a better word than, like, zoned out, but more, yeah. uh, you know, bring, bring me out of that zen and into yeah. that more of it that brings thoughtful. you into the reality. Right. You know, right. a friend told me... Uh, they they were like, I've heard most of your works and stuff like that, and that this is like them uh, explaining their experience and then like noticing everybody else's experience in the in the space. But they were like, I knew most of it, and I knew what to expect. But I don't think a lot of people expected it. Where it's like, oh, it's chill minimalist music. Is it's going to be like fine and dandy? They didn't expect it to be like a therapy session, <laughs> where it was like we're going to do minimalism and we're going to like be zen, but yeah. it's also going to keep it real. Yeah, <laughs> and you're going to have to sit there alone with your thoughts and really like kind of yeah. like deal with them. Yeah, I think that was like one of the favorite things that my my friend told me. It was just like I I, I was happy that I, I at least I assuming people also felt the same thing of just like yes it's like this minimalist like time for me to like meditate Mm -hmm. but like you are also brought into a very intense reality of that form where you don't get to escape and you have to kind of deal with it head on right and there's something more about like you don't 
it's not as nice <laughs> in a way yeah, of I, like the what you would expect. It's much more like real and in your face. I think that was my listening experience, very similar to my listening experience, where I realized a few, maybe like 10 or 15 minutes in where I was just like starting to get like antsy. <laughs> and I was just kind of, I was just kind of like, okay, like we're, I have to accept this right now and like, and kind of deal with this like, yeah. you know, reality, but in like a good way, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not stuck, but I'm like here at right. this concert and I'm sitting <laughs> and I, I'm feeling this All way. All sorts of emotions. But I also ideally. have this lovely, I have this lovely music and I'm surrounded by friends and people, um, that care about this person that I care about. So, um, let's, let's make this into something special. Um, and that was it's definitely something. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I I thought that that was kind of my experience going through it. Um and it was it was great. It was it was very positive. I think I yeah. think a lot of people came out like I don't want to say better on the other side, but like it it, it it's kind it, of cathartic after yeah. lockdown and yeah, actually. our weird current reality of capitalist hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. So the the first track I really wanted to touch on, and this really harkens back to some of the stuff we mentioned earlier um, on the track "Mountain." Um, mm. This is the most easy, complex music I think I've ever heard um, <laughs> because you listen to it and it's just these like blurred textures building and building and building, and the um, and the, the chord progression is relatively simple and it's very repetitive. And, um, and then you look at the score and there's just polyrhythms <laughs> all over the place and <laughs> nothing's lining up. And I'm like, Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, it was really, it was actually you. <laughs> very humble. You did. It was very humbling to look at the score of that music. Um,
So I mean, even I mean, like all the the pieces in that have a range of complexity to some extent. I actually do think that I, that mountain is probably the most dense. Yeah. When it comes yes. to just the rhythmic layout of it. Yeah. Yeah. And. Because you have such a you have such a basic car. It's not basic. No, no, basic, I, I, it's totally fine. It yeah. is it is very very simple. Yeah. Like it like yeah. it's like it's it's Philip Glass. Yeah. <laughs> in a, in yeah. a way, right? It's yeah. very very like it's gonna be this thing, and I'm gonna like just ram through it. Like mm-hmm. there will be no real. There are some changes, some surprises, but overall, it is very yeah harmonically the same and that's and for me i i love that like there's a part of me that does really just love the repetitive nature of chord progressions like there are a few tracks on there i mean like the the lullaby that i wrote for suzanne is literally on just e e e e e you kind of go a little crazy but uh uh, mountain particularly yeah it's essentially just variations on that ostinato that you hear at the very beginning Yeah. yeah and um like i sat down like when i started writing that piece it was after finishing icicle snowfall and icicle and i was like crap what am i gonna do next like Mm. i feel like i've really kind of exhausted like i was doing tempo modulations i was doing really blurred lines and like lots of like fast moving gestures and stuff and i was like everything is flowing and very much like scalar okay what am i gonna do next and i was like what if i wrote a repetitive note piece yeah yeah and i was like made like something that's just like it like i actually had like played the earl koenig uh oh yeah the, oh, okay like a little like <laughs> in the past like there was a time at the chicago academy of the arts where i had to play that piece and i was like kind of like happy that i learned the technique of playing repetitive note pieces like yeah, playing I mean, repetitive a, chords that's a it's like a it's like a merit badge you put yeah on i was like really <laughs> i was like really pianist. stoked that i had finally kind of like learned the technique of playing like repetitive chordal gestures sure. and i was like all right well what if i wrote a piece that was like that that <laughs> but like super chill and sure. not really it's like it's very gargantuan that piece for me but um yeah i wrote that i started with that like that polyrhythmic thing and then i uh started i was like okay i'm gonna keep gesture like figuring out gestural ways to do that and then because so one of my compositional practices i do try to step away from the piano Mm -hmm. when i'm writing music because a thing that i learned from a teacher way way back in the years is like if you write at the piano you're going to limit your writing to what you're capable of at that time Mm -hmm. and i was like that's fair so i would always try to make us try to take a step away from composing at the piano and just kind of like write it out as i could kind of visualize or hear it Mm -hmm. so when i found that first four bar motive that you hear at the beginning of mountain i stepped away from the piano and i sat down at my desk poured a thing (laughs) 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 and then uh and then then i would just sit there and i would like run through motivic ideas and like harmonies and stuff like that in my brain where i was like okay i I essentially just like wrote really dense polyrhythms and really dense things where i was like i don't know if i can play this right now right like i said i would write down the the piece as i went and i'd be like okay that's gonna be cool that'll be cool this will work out and I, a lot of it was just kind of like intuitively written or I would just, but I would force myself to really 
break past what I thought was possible. Okay. Yeah. As a pianist yeah. for myself. Yeah. Because like I was going to perform that. I was like, I don't know, let's let's put five against three and then three against five. Like I would I, like in yeah. the piece, like you have five against three in the left hand, and then all of a sudden the shift will happen and it's three in the left and five in the right, or five yeah. in the left and three. Yeah. Or I'll be like, let's do five and three, and then it'll be five and four, and then it'll be five and two, and then there's like a seven in there at some point. Yeah. And it's just this constant manipulation of polyrhythmic energy and tension. And you know, it's it's. When you when you listen to the music, it, you know it's 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 almost like cheating. I always feel like I'm cheating when I'm looking at the score and I'm listening to music because you're you know you're just giving the answers right there. <laughs> uh, when I right. heard it when I heard it live, I think I was just so focused on like I said at that point in the concert, I was just kind of in this meditative state, yeah. so I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about the music so much. But yeah, that's the... I, but it, it, you know you're you're just. In the texture of it all. Yeah, you're kind of bombarded with these textures, and you're not even thinking about, like, these... I love that. Like, there's, like, a physical sense in the music, in a way. Like, I feel like there's a physicality, particularly even to Mountain. It's probably the most physical piece of the the album, so that's exciting to hear. Yeah, I... And then, um, lo and behold, like I said, I I looked at the score later, and I was just like, wow, there's a lot lot going on here. Um, And... Of course, knowing you, I know it's all very deliberate, um, and the um, the process for that um, writing that piece sounds very you know interesting to me. That you actually yeah. took the time to uh, step away, and it's it's almost like it's almost like doing homework. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would I would step away. I would figure some stuff out, sit at the piano, play it out, and be like, okay, this might actually. I think this will work. And sure. it's mostly a lot of that. I was like, what's the the proportional aspect of it and i'm always thinking is like where's the high point gonna be mm-hmm. how far can i go before it's gonna be too much mm-hmm. too little do i need more here use a lot of repeat like repeat signs that's the only piece actually that uses extensive like repeat signs yeah and yeah, yeah and like and that and that again like that piece like for me is also it's a crowd favorite as i've discovered but it's also a personal favorite of mine and also very much the most emotionally exhausting piece actually weirdly mm. enough yeah despite its simplicity and everything is the most emotionally draining piece which is funny that it happens like almost halfway through the program right, right. But yeah, I, I mean, I totally get that, I think, because you're you have to it's like it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. I think that this particular track is um, is very much a marathon. It's not like, well, most things in this on this album. Are, yeah, it's I would a never describe as a sprint, <laughs> but, you know, it's but it, but this one in particular, you really feel this sense of growing and building. And even if you're not completely conscious of it, but then all of a sudden you're there. Mm-hmm. and it's you're at the peak you are you are you are you're really at the top of the mountain and uh and it's it's beautiful really segues nicely into the next movement mm-hmm. that i want to talk about yeah. um the interlude um homage to arvo par another one of my favorites um <laughs> and again surprised at what the score looked like when i when i looked at it um but it Totally makes sense at the same time. <laughs> um, surpre- Engraving uh, is important. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, it's uh, you. You have this big climactic moment, and then you're we're brought back down to the lowest register of the piano with this like really resonance.
Yeah, it's super. That's a super weird movement. Yeah, I mean, it's, I would say it's the most unique of the yeah, ones um, on the album. And I, I would say, and and you can feel free to disagree with me. This is where when I heard this, I'm like, that's the. That's a little bit of the experimentalism coming oh, out yeah, absolutely. in this you album. You are 100% right. That's, that's where this language is kind of making its, you know, mark here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I, it's, you found a way to um, um, juxtapose or, or place the two right next to each other and, and not have it be complete. Like, it's not jarring. Yeah. The, the context is there, and it's... It's an interlude. Yeah, that's true. I think it kind of fits nicely. Um, I mean, so, like, that piece particularly, it's a homage to our pair, particularly the piece for Alina, which is a very simple mm-hmm. B minor, beautiful little uh, piece that's, like, kind of Gregorian chant and very uh, devoid of rhythm. It's just, like, the single note, like, Gregorian chant style of writing, sure. which I, like, I studied that piece years ago and loved it. And I would always come back to it from time to time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to just write a homage. The homage, even though it's very abstract in its in its way. Sure. The other thing is like my love for the sostenuto pedal, particularly yes. the middle pedal. And it is funny that I only used it in one track of this album, considering how much I love it. I uh, one of my favorite pieces would you, of would all you call time. that a um, like a restriction you might have given yourself when you're writing it maybe I didn't I don't know if I was conscientiously thinking about it yeah. but it could have been there I think I was just like I'm gonna keep this as like in a way as simple as possible in terms of just the general scope of the use sure. of the piano sure um, but one yeah. of my favorite pieces of all time is shadow by Rebecca Saunders who oh, is a yeah yeah British German composer yeah. and she's yeah. like pro- I played that piece years ago Um Back at uh, Narlock Studios, actually. And then, oh. actually, at my debut concert at Constellation back in 2018. I, oh. I really like that piece. Yeah. And, like, it's super aggressive and, like, very <laughs> violent. And, it like, it's absolutely beautiful and uses... It's a Sassanuto pedal study. And I was okay. like... Yeah. Even though I only... I literally just put down a chord and just hold it for the entire piece. Like, that... Uh, that beauty of getting those harmonics and those, like, those that overall spectralist kind of idea is just like one of the coolest things that you can do on the piano. So that track particularly was very special because it like, it goes into my love of like spectralism and experimental art in a more, and obviously a more accessible way, but it's, it's there. It's still very like minimalist in its own right too. Like you said, it's touching more on the Arvo pair style where it's, um, uh, kind of reminds you of secular music, you yeah. know, single line mm-hmm. melodies, and uh, being fascinated with just focusing on certain sonorities, you know, mm-hmm. throughout yep. the thing. And it, it it does act as a nice palate cleanser. Yeah, I was actually about yeah. to say, just like okay. a palate cleanser from what totally. we've what we've heard, and then it, <laughs> and then we transition into you know the rest of the album. But that's that's a nice moment for you. And it's again mm-hmm. like I, totally. I the, these three pieces I you know I chose because I think that it. They they stand out as kind of cornerstones where you're no, absolutely. Um, you're if you are listening to it all the way through, you might find yourself zoning out, and then you're all of a sudden caught, uh, maybe not off guard, but you're 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 focusing on the music now, mm-hmm. you know, rather than maybe this other world where you might have drifted off into for a, yeah, no, for a moment. absolutely. And, and it definitely is like the marker of like we're at the middle of the album. Sure, I didn't even really know myself where we were <laughs> at that point when I wrote it, but I was like. Like the first four tracks are 
like each about eight minutes long like they're extensive works and i'm like when i got to the end of mountain and wrote the intro i was like why am i writing eight minute long (laughs) like piano ballads yeah (laughs) i need a break so that actually ironically leads into the next half of the album where things are a little more condensed yeah actually i found and you know i've i've liked that pacing in general i thought Um, it was a good idea yeah i mean (laughs) i it's and again it, it goes into the whole thing where if you are listening to it all the way through you're not really you may not be paying attention to what track you're on. I, l- I would love to listen to it on an LP, actually, because then you truly get no skips. There's discussion of vinyl, too, Ooh. right now with the, with my record label. Okay. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> I, this yeah. album will sound so good on vinyl. Yeah, it really will. <laughs> um, but be, having that, having the experience of truly listening to it back to front, you... The um, you might not realize that the 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 movements or the the tracks are changing on the second half. However, um, I think you get a sense of the overall mood shifting maybe a little more quickly, or um, the pacing just becomes a bit more sped up. And what? Yes, it <laughs> does. What, 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 what attributes to that? I mean, I don't know if was that intentional. Was that is is it what you kind of just mentioned where you're, you you wrote these? You know four really long, you know, movements, and then you're like, all right, we need to I, I think there there was definitely an, an intentionality behind it. I, well, like, none of this album was pre-planned start to finish. Sure. Um, but, yeah, the, the second half, like, my friends would be like, this is, like, kind of like a B-side. Like, it, they are shorter, they're more digestible, yeah. they evoke a certain image, and then they're done. And sure. I was really happy with that. That's great. Like, yeah. leading all the way to the end. So, like, Chapel... Yeah, um, that's the last one I really wanted to. Yeah, but let's bring it up. Um, I mean, um, on, on one of my notes here, I'm, I'm, I think it kind of with the title Chapel, it, it, it funnily enough, I think it kind of subverts that expectation of like, because um, when I think of you know something named Chapel or anything to do with like, as we mentioned earlier, like secular music, it's like mm-hmm. single line melodies, you know, maybe um, a reference to like chant yeah. or something like that. Um, which you don't really get with Not this with at this all. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a mel- uh, there is a melodic B side to it.
uh, when I wrote this one, I was like, I'm going to do a piece where I just constantly repeat this ostinato on A. Yeah. And that's obnoxious shit. So, like, how do I make it, like, cool? <laughs> yeah. And so I spent, like, it became kind of like a go- like a cyclic gong cycle where it was okay. very rhythmic, very, like, kind of flowing. And I would kind of focus on, like, it's in, like, kind of D minor. Yeah. Like, yeah. modal kind of center. Yeah. And then there is a tempo modulation into the B side where then the... That's the right, melody comes out. Shift, yeah, yeah, I shift. I so I like I go into quintuplets, and then that becomes the eighth note, and then you have the second B side, which becomes very melodic. Right. Um. Anyway, so with yeah. that piece in particular, I was like, okay, so I have this six eight five eight ostinato thing that's happening. Yeah. And I played like it's just like like gongs to me, or like bells, like in yeah, the distance. Yeah. Okay. And. I can actually say, like, none of these pieces had titles when I wrote them. Sure. They were purely just, like, um, almost experiments where I was like, let's just see where this takes me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was particularly really into this piece. And then when I was, like, when I was going through and, like, listening to the tracks and naming them and stuff, I was like, you know what? So, like, for me, like, I love surrealism and I love thinking about... Things that are normal, but are, like, very, like, something's out of place. Yeah. And so, like, this whole album, in a way, is, like, like, even when I said it's space, it's, like, you're a lone traveler mm. inside this landscape of mountainous region and forest and everything. Mm-hmm. There is nobody around you. There, is, It's supposed to be isolated. It's supposed to be, like abstract as to what that mountain is and what that region is Mm. everything could go on for like uh one of my favorite like surrealist painters eve tongi like very gray landscapes that just go on forever and you don't know what is and what isn't and where that ends or why if it's supposed to end (laughs) so like there's a part of me that always has that fascination of like what is the void (laughs) and what is like what is infinity and like can the human experience like encompass that or like can we experience that but like so this yeah yeah, so like this album is like there's a chapel what is that chapel did you climb a mountain to get to that chapel when you enter that chapel what is happening so like for me it's like it's completely abandoned it's covered in snow it's in the middle of nowhere why is it there in the first place and the imagery i get is like there could be a hooded figure in in the in the chapel. Yeah. Everything is floating. Everything like there are dimly lit candles that yeah. are like kind of like just there. It's all very dark and it's all very dreary. But yeah. you're like it's peaceful, but at the same time there is some kind of like uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. In it, and I love that. <laughs> I pictured um this this structure at the bottom of a like a valley basin mm-hmm. kind of overgrown with like Ooh, foliage I love and that. like greenery and yeah. stuff like that and but i also pictured it kind of in a changing season so kind of like like late summer early fall so ah. you have like some dead stuff around it i don't know so cool i like yeah, that yeah yeah, yeah. And, I, and i am really into um my own listeners and like people who 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 listen like 
um, what their experience is, what their imagery is, what their perception is. Like yeah. I, yeah. I give very loosely based titles and sure. very loosely based things these days. Where like I'll give you an adjective, I'll give you a thing to think about. Yeah. But yeah. overall, I'm like very curious to hear what you'll experience as a listener. Yeah. Because I mean, again, like we are going all the way back. Like, mm-hmm. like who do you want? Like music doesn't exist outside that listener base. Do you want people listening? You right. should ask them <laughs> what they're thinking about. Right. Uh, if you are listening to this and <laughs> are on the website, you leave a comment on please what you might think this uh, sounds like. <laughs> um, do you? Um, this has been great. Do you? Oh, this is a blast. Do you have um, <laughs> uh, anything else? Honorable mentions? Anything you want to? share about the album that we haven't talked about oh yeah well i should give my big shout outs um because there's a few very important people and things to attribute and made the album possible in the first place um banff obviously for just giving me the opportunity to write it i'm sorry for the the minimal cussing within the this uh (laughs) podcast anyway um but thank you to banff um and then a huge thanks to Aaron Gottel, yeah, um, who I know you know very well. <laughs> but uh, Atlas Arts Media, you guys are amazing, and I am just so thrilled that like I was able to record the album in Gons Hall, which is where I went for grad school. But like having a nine foot Steinway yeah. to play on, and the sound was amazing, and yeah. it was captured beautifully. And like I feel like Aaron and I have like known each other for so long, and like he really stepped up and or like it just like coming back to work with him after all these years was just such a pleasure and like i feel like we've grown together yeah and like can't thank him enough honestly yeah uh thank you to ashton mayfield who was the uh designer of the album cover which is absolutely stunning it's really cool she did an amazing job mm-hmm. with with the album cover and i you i her instagram is ashtonism but you're probably going to be like, what? How do you spell that? A S H E T O N S M. Okay. At Ashtonism. But yeah, she's incredible artist, does a lot of minimalist like textures and stuff like that. So yeah, absolutely great. wonderful person to work with. Uh, Scripps Records for mastering yep. and for producing the album and for putting it out. Ed and Dave have been an absolute joy to work with, and like I love what they do, and I really appreciate their support behind this project. Yeah, and like making it and turning it into like a physical CD, which is super cool. Yeah, and out, like a digital, and also now like potentially vinyl. Yeah, that could be coming out. So keep an eye out. Yeah, and um, and uh, obviously a big big thanks because. <laughs> contractually obligated but regardless like they have been yeah obviously the biggest donor and like what made this album possible in the first place uh, the department of cultural arts and special events the yep. dk's grants i can't thank them enough yeah um for giving me the opportunity and the ability to actually put this album out yeah recording it in the first place uh producing mastering all of those things finding people to collaborate with and turn it into what it became like literally wouldn't be possible without their financial help so those yeah. that grant program is amazing check it out d case yeah but yeah i can't thank them literally enough like i am very much indebted but yeah i and they have been an absolute joy to also like learn about work with they have been such a 
they're so easy yeah. and they're absolutely wonderful people. That's and it's great. great that the city of Chicago even has it in the first place. Yeah. Not a lot of American cities have that. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to find funding for the arts. And like Chicago is definitely a city where That's you great. can find that funding. That's awesome. So yeah. And a very, very big thank you to D case. And I think that's, and obviously my friends and family, I'll, uh, I'll throw you in there for being a supporter. And, um, also Austin and then, um, my wife, Suzanne, my family, yeah. uh, friends who've come to the meditation series, Joseph LaHood, if he actually listens to this, but he, uh, was very aggressive in getting me to like write these. He's like, when are you putting out that album? <laughs> when are you going to write this stuff? So that, like, it's I good can to listen have to those, it. uh, friends. Yeah. Friends who like aggressively like, just like aggravate you. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. fine, fine. I'm going to do this. Um, and you know, my, my cohort at rat Island, my video game community and everybody yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, there's too many people to thank and so many supporters and so much love and everybody who showed up at space that night, like yeah. clearly like, shows some like i can't even thank them enough for for showing up and you enough for for showing up so i i really appreciate it and that album wouldn't have happened without all that so well yeah. we uh at relevant tones are so very happy to have oh, yeah. had Thanks you on here seth, <laughs> seth <Bus. laughs> hey seth <laughs> uh, thank you <laughs> yeah it's uh it's you know it's it's a no-brainer to have you on here to talk about this but i'm i'm glad we can make this happen and um it's been my pleasure to talk to you more about this, this and get to know your album more so absolutely hopefully we'll have you on again as a guest in the future let's um, go <laughs> i'm always down to jabber yeah no <laughs> it's uh it's, it's this has been great so um i'm austin williams with relevant tones this is jonathan hanow thank you for having me um he has his new album out uh I'm looking at it just so I don't butcher it. Pieces I wrote on a cold winter night. <laughs> uh, you can find it on Bandcamp. On or, Scripps Records or, or on a page. Or, yeah. Yes, on Scripps Records. You can page, also find it on my website. Or on his website as well. Um, if there's an L, if there's vinyl coming out, uh, <laughs> buy it. Get ready. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's going to be sick. <laughs> All right. <laughs>